is that it can happen to men and women equally um, uh, at any age. You know, uh, we know that seven out of 10 people who are totally blind may have this. Only about 1% uh, get the true diagnosis. So lack of awareness is out there. So that's why we're out here talking about this. Um, and symptoms are awfully um, often noted tr- shortly after someone loses their eyesight. Okay. Um, and so for anyone out there that is having sleep troubles, um, especially if you're totally blind and if you're having sleep issues, that is a high suspicion that there's something going on like down 24. So we encourage anyone, if you're having um, concerns about your sleep, seek out help, educate yourself. Knowledge is power. We are our own best advocates. No one else will advocate for you like you will. So go out and educate yourself. Um, And so please uh, do not hesitate to reach out and Jennifer and I, we are back there at the table to get more information. For those on Zoom, um, you can uh, reach out and I'll just give out my phone number here. It is 202-579- 8035. And my name is Maggie Felton. And I kind of wanted to end with a joke, a very cheesy joke. It's a bad joke column that I read, but here it goes. So how do you get a baby alien to sleep? Any guesses? Rocket. Hey, you got it. <laughs> you read my God. Woohoo! You get a prize. All right. <laughs> You rock it. How do you get a baby (laughs) alien to sleep? You rock it. All right. Very well. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the convention. And we want to thank Avanda Pharmaceuticals every year. uh, Avanda has been a consistent sponsor of ACBNY. Next up, we have Democracy Live, uh, who should be streaming into us. Um, So I would like to introduce Brian Finney, who I believe is the CEO of Democracy Live, along with Melissa Carney. Um, Brian and Melissa were originally um, planning to attend our conference live uh, this weekend, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, they're joining us virtually. So I would like to welcome Democracy Live. Uh, Obviously, here in New York State, uh, online accessible voting has been a huge push for us, as well as it has been across the country. Uh, We're learning lately that Democracy Live is going to likely be a huge part of voting for us here in New York State, and uh, we're hoping that they can shed some light on that and tell us how how it's going to work and what we can kind of expect. So, Brian, Melissa, welcome, and I'll give the platform over to you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'm still just recovering from that uh, that joke that that the previous um, speaker just just uh, shared with us. And and I do want to. Thank you. And also apologize. Um, I was very much looking forward to meeting many of you in person and, and coming out there on, on this important uh, conference that you have this weekend. It's the first time that Democracy Live has had the honor to be able to sponsor ACB New York at your conference. And we look forward to sponsoring many more of your conferences moving forward. Um, my name is Brian Finney. I'm, I'm the founder and, and, and CEO of Democracy Live. And uh, joining me today is Ms. Melissa Carney, who is a, a member of, of um, the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, and I believe uh, a new resident, uh, Melissa can speak for herself, but of, of the great state of New York. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll turn the floor over shortly to Melissa, who will be walking you through, um, as was mentioned earlier, um, the new opportunity for voters to be able to access their ballot independently and privately from home uh, in New York. 
And what I want to share with you is, is that accessibility, as you know, especially in this, in this, uh, world of the post 2020 election cycle that, you know, we all realize how critical voting is, is and always has been, but especially now. And because of new emerging technologies, accessibility doesn't have to, you know, end at the polling place. It can now be extended into the home. And it was, as we saw in the 2020 election cycle, you had a majority of voters who are actually voting from home versus voting in the polling place for the first time. And at Democracy Live, uh, we are the largest provider for at-home accessible voting, but we also, in partnership with Microsoft and Dell Computer, um, also provide an accessible polling place um, uh, balloting tablet. And the concept of, of providing accessibility to the franchise, to voting, whether you're at the polling place or at the convenience of your, of your home, uh, we want to make sure that the ballot is available to you wherever you want to vote. And that's really been the, the mission of Democracy Live since we first started and launched uh, the technology back in 2008. And so I, for today, at least, I will share with you at a very high level, uh, you know, the, the initiative that we have uh, both in New York and, and really around the country. Um, from an online accessible voting standpoint, um, it's a type of technology that we first pioneered back in 2008. Uh, we are now in, I believe, 25 states, uh, including New York City. Um, providing the ability for voters to be able to access a ballot through a secure balloting portal. And uh, again, Melissa will be walking you through a demonstration of what that sounds like and, and what that experience is. What I think I'll be, I, I think it makes sense to, to be forward thinking um, in terms of where the technology is heading. So what uh, Melissa will be sharing with you today is what we're doing in fact today up in, up in Boston. Um, I know there's no competition between New York and Boston, but they are doing uh, accessible uh, ballot uh, delivery and electronic return uh, in, in Boston for their current election in, the, in another jurisdiction up in, up in Massachusetts. So I, I, what Melissa will be sharing with you is, is not just the ability to access your ballot and mark your ballot privately and independently. Currently in, in, in New York, uh, you do have that option. Um, I believe every county in, in uh, New York now has a tool available um, to you to be able to access your ballot market and then you you print it out right so there's still that little issue of, of having to print out the ballot which isn't such a little issue it's, it's a significant issue to, toward full independent voting um, so again what Melissa is going to be sharing with you is the final mile which is to be able to independently using whatever device whatever technology whatever smartphone that you have to be able to uh, fully inf be enfranchised without having to ask somebody to vote for you or, or not vote at all, um, or have to go down to a polling place and vote on, on, on a machine. Now, that's still critically important, right? Having access to the, the polling place. And so again, one of the things that Democracy Live is, has pioneered is instead of using a, a kind of a, a big machine that yet maybe you're not that comfortable with, we felt a number of years ago that being able to provide the same type of a device, in, in our case, we happen to use a Windows machine, it, it's a Dell device, for voters, if they want to vote in the polling place, can, can access the ballot, mark it, and then importantly, when the ballot is printed out, it's printed on the exact same ballot that everybody else uses. Again, this is for, for the polling place, um, what we call omni-ballot tablet, and you can use 
uh, of course, your headphones and, and, and for people with mobility challenges, it could be, you know, a sip and puff device or other tactile input. But the key here is that it's a uniform ballot. So if you're voting in the polling place, you have the exact that the output of the ballot will be the same paper ballot that everybody else will have. But you've been able to access the ballot independently and privately. So that's in the polling place. And again, that, that's in collaboration with both Microsoft and Dell. We're going through a certification process right now with the State Board of Elections. And uh, we hope to you know, navigate through uh, you know, that, that exciting process of, of, of being certified uh, currently. And, and that's the status on the, um, on the accessible polling place tablet that we're working on right now. But then when we extend accessibility into the home, uh, that goes back to our partnership with Amazon. And with Amazon, we have this, again, secure balloting portal, uh, the same kind of cloud environment that, in fact, was just recently selected by the National Security Agency and been approved by literally every federal government um, as a cloud provider. That's why we partner with Amazon. And in our case, we want to make sure that no matter what device that you're using, what computer that you're using, you can independently and privately access your ballot if you're using NVDA or JAWS or, or you know, a narrator or, or voiceover, whatever screen reader that you have, whatever input device that you have, you can at home be fully enfranchised again to be, you know, to have an independent ballot up to the point that you have a printer. And we all know the challenges with that. And we hope to continue working, you know, uh, in the future with your support and your advocacy at the local level, because that's how things get done, is that, that you know, you all in the room here, if this makes sense for you all, would advocate to, your, to the state, to your county, to the legislature, to allow for electronic return of the ballot. So with that, I think what I'll do is I'll reintroduce Melissa. Uh, Melissa Carney is going to uh, walk you through, I believe she's using JAWS, um, really the future of voting and where this is heading. Um, before the 2020 presidential election, uh, very few of any jurisdictions or states in the country we're providing the opportunity for electronic return of the ballot. Again, using your device fully electronically to access and return the ballot. But most recently, a federal judge down in North Carolina ruled that um, they would have to use, in, in that case, they're using our system. And the judge ruled that to uh, under the ADA and, and equal access that, that the voters in North Carolina, those that were disabled, um, would would have access to electronic return of the ballot. And I believe the judge was saying something like forcing a voter to have to have a printer when a lot of voters don't have printers. Um, it, it's an additional burden for, for, for voters. So even though it's a very good start to be able to access your ballot independently and then, and then mark it independently, to have to print it out is still an obstacle. And so we're going to show you and we're going to, Melissa is going to walk you through um, what the future could be potentially in New York, um, to fully vote uh, from your device or from your com computer. Um, so with that, I think I'll uh, introduce Melissa. And, and Melissa, maybe you can say, say a few words about yourself and, and take it away. Absolutely. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you all virtually today. My name is Melissa Carney. I currently serve as the Director of Outreach and Engagement for the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. I'm also an educational outreach consultant for Democracy Live. I was fortunate enough to be able to use the Omni ballot and use this system in Pennsylvania's in the in um, the presidential election. And I have to say, it was fantastic um, being able to not risk my safety going to the polls, not deal with 
whether or not the machines were going to, you know, have an off day. Um, I have to say it was, it was fantastic. Also just being able to have a completely private independent experience as well. Uh, no longer did I have to have someone filling out my ballot for me if I chose to vote absentee. And um, it's very empowering kind of giving yourself back that power, giving yourself a voice on paper. Um, and again, not having to disclose your choices to anyone and being able to use what technology you're comfortable with. We, uh, this, as Brian said, this system has been tested with um, JAWS, NVDA, VoiceOver, so many different combinations of screen readers and browsers like Google Chrome, Safari, Internet Explorer. So you use the technology that you feel most comfortable with. You can vote from your phone, your computer. And again, that just eliminates a lot of barriers of navigating those voting machines that you may not be familiar with or may have glitches. You can rely on your own technology. So without further ado, I'm going to share my screen. Um, and this is so you can hear sound. You can hear JAWS as I'm going through the demo. And I'm, as I'm going through, I'll describe exactly what I'm doing so that you have an idea of what keystrokes you're using, what keys, etc. Welcome voters, Google Pro. Okay, um, so I'm just going to start with the process as if you were getting a link that was mailed to you or that was emailed to you. Um, it's different, every state it has different requirements as far as that's concerned, but typically you'll have a link to the ballot that is sent to you. So as Brian also mentioned, I'm demoing the fully accessible system. So currently in New York City, um, there is electronic uh, marking capability, but not return capability. So you still have to have access to a printer somehow and be able to sign your name. Um, so this, once again, is the fully accessible version of the Omni ballot that is available in select states currently. And hopefully that's New York's future. Okay, so I'm going to start by navigating by heading using H. Main menu heading level two. Welcome voters heading level one. Accessible absentee ballot heading level two. Electronic return ballot heading level two. Okay, so this page is again just, this is not what you'll see. This is just showing you um, what options we have for the Omni ballot. Okay, so we can continue, continue with the electronic return. Voter lookup, heading level one voter lookup. Now starting here is the process that you as the voter will see on your end. This is the page where you enter in all of your voter sp uh, specific credentials. So if we down arrow here, you'll be able to hear a set of instructions. Please fill in the fields to access your ballot. First name. Okay. Required invalid entry edit. So here's an edit box. We're going to enter into this. Forms mode on. Form region. First name edit required invalid entry has pop-up. Okay. For today's purposes, I'm going to type sample. Sample required. Okay. And I'm going to tab into the next edit box. Last name edit required invalid entry has pop-up. And I'm going to write voter. Voter required. We're going to tab again. Month combo box required invalid entry. Month. And this is going to bring us into a combo box where you select your birth month, you'll select your birthday next, and finally the birth year. So you can just down arrow to make your selection. So for today's purposes, we are choosing one January. 
I'm going to tab again into the next combo box. Day combo box required invalid entry. Day. Okay, I'm going to down arrow to the first. One. Going to tab once more for the year. Year combo box required invalid entry. Year. And we are going to down arrow to 1999. Okay, so once you've filled out those edit boxes and made your selections in the combo boxes, all you have to do is tab. Forms mode off. Continue button. And then press continue. Voter lookup. Main region. Verification heading level one. So within the electronic return system, unlike the um, on, uh, electronic marking only, you have to provide some additional security measures and some additional credentials just because you're doing everything through technology um, and there isn't that physical signature. Okay, so we're going to down arrow. Please enter PIN to verify your identity. PIN. Okay. Required invalid entry password edit. Forms mode on, secure connection, form region. Pit. So we're, we entered into that edit box, and today I'm typing a nice one, two, three, four. Right. Star, 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 forms mode off, continue button. So we can press continue. Verification alert, save password, save password. All right, and that brings us to... Your heading level one ballot marking the official ballot. So this is where you're going to make your selections. And you've probably already noticed that when you enter into a new page and you continue with this process, there is a heading at the top of the page announcing what phase of the process you're on, followed by a set of instructions that you follow on the current step. Okay, so that's your heading level one ballot marking. For example, that's telling you it's the ballot marking page. So you can down arrow for those instructions. Your ballot is presented below. To mark your selection, click on the checkbox. To remove a selection, click on the checkbox again. To vote for a qualified write-in candidate who is not listed on the ballot, click the checkbox beside the write-in space at the end of the candidate list. Then type the candidate's name in the space. Heading level two official ballot. Okay. So... From here, we're going to use H for heading to navigate between contests. For U.S. Senator heading level three. I'm going to down arrow. Vote for not more than one. Group start for U.S. Senator. Three checkboxes. Santa Claus checkbox not checked. Ebenezer Scrooge checkbox not checked. Ryan checkbox not checked. Okay, those are our options. So we're going to up arrow and choose Santa Claus. Ebenezer Santa Claus checkbox not checked. For U.S. Senator Group, Santa Claus checkbox checked. So we check that box. And what's really helpful is that when you when you make a selection and you check that box, it's going to repeat the contest back to you so that you can always keep track of the association between the choices you're making and the contests um, that those choices are for. Okay, so once you've made your selection, you can move on to the next contest using H for heading. For representative to Congress heading level three. Down arrow. Vote for not more than one. Group start for representative to Congress. Four checkboxes. You'll also notice that what's really helpful is it tells you exactly how many options you have to choose from. Amelia Earhart checkbox not checked. Charles Chuck Eager checkbox not checked. Charles Lindbergh checkbox not checked. Ryan checkbox not checked. Okay, those are your options. We're going to up arrow and we're going to choose Amelia Earhart. 
Charles, Charles, Chucky, Amelia, here are checkbox not checked. For representative to Congress group, Amelia, here are checkbox checked. Okay, we're going to proceed on to the next contest using H for heading. City Council heading level 3. Vote for not more than 2. So as you saw there, it's asking you to make two selections instead of one. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to make an intentional error so you can see how OmniBallot, how the system prompts you to go back and fix that error if you wish. And you'll see that on the review page. So it won't come into play just yet. So once again, I'm only going to select one candidate instead of two. Group Start City Council. Five checkboxes. Here's the options. Johnny Cash checkbox not checked. Elvis Presley checkbox not checked. Dolly Parton checkbox not checked. Write in one of two checkbox not checked. Okay. I'm going to choose Elvis for now. Dolly Parton Elvis Presley checkbox not checked. City Council Group Elvis Presley checkbox not checked. Checked. Okay. And just keep in mind down the road when we get to that review page that there will be an error message. All right. So we're going to proceed to the next contest using H for heading. For City Waste Director heading level 3. Vote for not more than one. Group start for City Waste Director. Two checkboxes. DR William McDougall checkbox not checked. Ryden checkbox not checked. All right. So I'm going to demonstrate how to fill in a write-in candidate. All you have to do is check that box using space. For City Waste Director Group, write in checkbox checked. Down arrow. Write in. Edit. And you'll find this edit box, so you can enter into there. Forms mode on. Secure connection. Write in edit. All right. Our CEO has decided that he would like a career change. So he wants to be City, city Waste Director. So we are going to put Brian in that, that write-in candidate space. Thank you, Melissa. It's probably very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brian, forms mode off, virtual PC. So then if we up arrow. Right in. And back down. Edit Brian. You can see that that edit box is filled in with our city waste director nominee. Okay. So once, um, once you have that all set to go, you can proceed to the next contest using H for heading once again. Article 1 heading level 3. Vote yes or no. Shall Chapter I, Section 103 of the Votersville City Charter be hereby amended as follows. Chapter 1, Incorporation and General Provisions, Section 103. Wards established. There shall be three wards for the city of Votersville and the boundaries of the wards shall be fixed from time to time by the board. Of civil authority subject to the approval of the city council. The boundaries shall be fixed so as to provide equal or near equal distribution of population. Among the three wards in accordance with the most recent federal census. Group start article one. All right. So as you heard, that is a text only contest. So you're just going to select yes or no. Two checkboxes. Yes checkbox not checked. No checkbox not checked. Right. So we can check yes. Yes checkbox not checked. Article one group. Yes checkbox checked. And then you will proceed to down arrow. This was the uh, this was the final contest. No checkbox not checked. Group end. Go back button. Continue button. Okay, we're going to press space to continue and you'll also notice on every page there are those two uniform options as well at the bottom that go back button go back button and then right below it continue button your continue button so we're going to press that ballot marking main region selection review heading level one and this is the review page that i mentioned a bit earlier 
So that's the announcement heading, and we can down arrow to hear the associated instructions. Your ballot choices are shown below. To change any selection, click the change button next to your selection. Heading level 2 official ballot. Okay, so once again, similarly to marking the ballot, you can navigate this page using H for heading as well. For U.S. Senator heading level 3. So once again, every contest and every title is a heading. If you down arrow, Santa Claus, you'll see your selection. Change for U.S. Senator button. And then the change button that's specific to each individual contest. So we're going to use head, uh, navigate by heading again and use H. For representative to Congress heading level 3, Amelia Earhart. Change for representative to Congress button. Next contest. City Council heading level 3, Elvis Presley. Warning. Missing one of two selections. Change City Council button. And as you just heard, that is that intentional error that I spoke about earlier when we only selected one candidate instead of two. So say you don't know everyone on the ballot and maybe you only meant to vote for one. That's okay. You can ignore this error and submit your, your ballot accordingly. But the system is just letting you know that you did only select one just in case you you actually did mean to check the required amount of candidates. So that's a really nice kind of, you know, safety double check feature in place. So we are going to now um, change that and fix that error just to show you how that works. Okay, so change city council button. Change city council. So again, this is the specific change button that's corresponding to this particular contest. City council heading level three. All right. So what it does is it brings you right back to this contest on the ballot. So you don't have to search for it. It brings you right there. All right. So all you have to do is down arrow and it'll look this just the same as it did when you were marking your ballot. Your selection that you already chose will still be marked. So Elvis is still on there. We just have to select an additional candidate. Vote for not more than two. Group start city council. Five checkboxes. Johnny Cash checkbox not checked. So we'll check Johnny Cash. City council group. Johnny Cash checkbox checked. And here. Elvis Presley checkbox checked. You can see that Elvis is still checked. So now we can down arrow. Dolly Parton right in. Right in. Two group end. Go back to review page button. Go back to review. City council heading level three. Once again, it will bring you to the review page right where you left off. Okay, so if we go down now. Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, change city council button. You'll see that that warning and that error message has disappeared once you fix that error. Once again, you don't have to, but it's a great safety measure in place. All right, without... With, with all that being fixed, we can now move on to the next contest. For City Waste Director heading level three, Ryden Bryan. There's our Ryden candidate. Change for City Waste Director button. It's change button and... Article one heading level three. Last. Yes. Change article one button. Link skip to bottom. Go back button. Continue button. So once you verify that your ballot appears the way you want it, and once you verify that you've made all the, the choices, you're comfortable with that, you can proceed on to the next page. Continue button, signature heading level one. And this is the exciting part. So this is what makes this process fully accessible. 
you just saw how easy it was to mark your ballot privately and independently using assistive technology. But now we get to the part where you can sign in an accessible way. So you're not struggling to figure out where to sign on an envelope. You're not filling out um, any information associated with the envelope. Everything is electronic. Everything is accessible to you as a blind voter. So we can down arrow here. Please sign your name in the space provided below. Click the sign button. Okay, so click to sign. All you have to do is press space on that. Signature pad modal dialog. Okay, and then if we down arrow. Please use the text field below to enter your signature graphic. Okay, it's as simple as it sounds. Um, I will explain briefly about how this works on the iPhone as well for any voiceover users, because that's a slightly different process, but still accessible. It's just a little different. Okay, so we can down arrow. Sign above or type your name here. Edit. And we're going to go into this edit box. Forms mode on. Secure connection. Form region. Sign above or type your name here. Edit. Okay, so I'm going to type sample voter because that is our name today. Sample. Okay, and then if we tab. Voter. Forms mode off. Reset button. There's a reset button if you want to change your selection. If you down arrow. Done button. There's the done button. So. If you are comfortable with your signature and how you typed it, you'll press the done button. Done button, main region, signature, sample voter graphic. All right. And what's neat is it'll kind of show you how your signature appears. Um, if you've typed it out, it will kind of, kind of as an extra step for verification for you as the voter, your signature and your writing is displayed up there. Okay. Click the change signature button. You have the option to change. If for some reason you click that done button and you notice the typo after the fact, you can still change that signature. Okay, so let's say that you're comfortable with your signature. There's no errors. We can move on. So we're going to down arrow. Go back button. Continue button. And we're going to press the continue button. Electronic return heading level one. Okay, there's the next page. Let's down arrow to hear the instructions. You are about to return your ballot submission electronically. Please complete the following steps to complete your ballot package submission. Heading level two, step one of one submit. Click on the button below to electronically return ballot package to your county. Submit button. All right, so if you feel ready to go, all you have to do is press space on the submit button. Electronic return submitting. And we're going Main to wait as it's submitted. Level one. And now we get the success message. So we can down arrow here. Here your ballot and ballot return materials have been submitted successfully. Please allow for up to three business days after submission to process your ballot. If you have questions about whether your ballot has been received and processed, contact your local elections office for further information. Thank you for voting. And that is Meeting it. Controls. Melissa Carney has stopped screen share. So I'll explain briefly how the signature works on the iPhone. I know a lot of people probably have questions about that. Um, you can type your name, but oftentimes you might want to, to provide an actual signature. So how that works on the iPhone, because it's a touchscreen, some of you may have used, I, I believe it's called um, Square Cash or a Square app. Um, a lot of times if you're, if you're at a, a vendor, um, and you want to do an electronic payment, a lot of people will have you um, scan your card and sign 
on a touch screen. Um, so you may or may not have seen that system, but the Omni ballot works similarly on the phone. So all you would do is turn off voiceover once you're in the correct field, sign with your finger on your screen, turn voiceover back on and press done. And then you can submit your ballot from there. So that's also very simple um, as long as you remember to turn voiceover off. But there are plenty of prompts just reminding you of of the process when you're going through um, the electronic return. So thank you so much for the opportunity to present to you all today. As you can see, it's a very simple way of voting accessibly, independently and privately from your home. Again, it's customized to your needs, your assistive technology, what you feel comfortable with. You do not need advanced skills to use this, um, to to mark your ballot and return your ballot. Um, You don't need advanced screen reader skills. You just need to be able to navigate the ballot as I just did. Um, And, you know, it's, it's very organized. It's very uniform throughout. I've tested this ballot more times than I can count, and I've never encountered an issue. Um, but that, that's about it. And I'm sure also, Brian, you might want to speak to the security. Um, oftentimes, we get a lot of questions about, well, how, how secure is the system because it's done electronically um, as opposed to going to the polls. But um, that, that is my piece, and I hope that New York um, you you all will be able to use this system in the future. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. And of course, we're willing, if, if we're set up to, to field any, any questions, if we can uh, provide any answers back to you, would be happy to do that. Um, as Melissa mentioned, uh, this is a tool that, that is actually available now. Um, we have, I believe, four or five states are now using this type of technology for electronic return. Um, Again, there was a federal judge that ruled that for equal access purposes, that this type of technology must be made available uh, to, to voters. And so I think we're going to see, you know, over time, um, this type of ability to vote independently and privately on your home device um, will be an option for, for all voters. I think it's a very important first step um, that, that I, I think uh, the, the state in, in, in working with the disability groups within New York now offer an accessible at-home option that currently requires a printer. Um, with your advocacy and education, I'm sure we can work toward getting the policymakers and the decision makers in the state to eventually uh, eliminate the requirement for a printer and do exactly what Melissa just described, which is the full electronic uh, return of the ballot. Um, from a from a security standpoint, again, we partner very strongly with with uh, with Amazon AWS on this. Uh, AWS is the the cloud environment, which has been the same uh, cloud environment that was approved by literally every federal agency in, in, in the country. Um, so FBI, CIA, the National Security Agency, they've all approved uh, AWS to host some of the most critical documents in the nation. Uh, in this case, for Omni Ballot, that critical document happens to be a ballot. And, and so the idea here is to make sure that you can securely and accessibly access, mark, and electronically return your ballot fully independently. And then finally, uh, you know, we have this uh, th- this process going through right now with the state of, of uh, New York, the State Board of Elections, to uh, take a, a tablet, a, a Windows tablet, Dell, 
and make that available for you in the polling place. And that might be more comfortable. Um, uh, it might be more um, uh, experienced using, you know, the type of computer that you have at the home, both in the polling place. Um, so that's kind of the idea of the polling place tablet. Make sure that that's fully accessible producing a uniform ballot so all voters, regardless of disabilities, have the exact same ballot in the polling place. And then, of course, to extend accessibility beyond the polling place and into the home. Um, as, a, as a sighted voter, you know, for me to be able to vote independently and privately on my kitchen table, but my, my neighbor who happens to be three doors up uh, can't, um, without using this type of a technology, they're, 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 there's something wrong about that, right? That's not equal access to the ballot. And that's the entire point of, of Omni Ballot is to provide equal access, um, both in the polling place as well as the home. So with that, I don't know if we're set up to answer any questions, but I'd be ha happy to field some. Uh, my name is Brian Finney, uh, Brian at democracylive.com, uh, B-R-Y-A-N, at democracylive.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at any point. Of course, Melissa is always on hand as well as a subject matter expert in using the tool and using the accessibility features. Um, but as again, as we all saw this last you know, election cycle in 2020, um, how critical every vote is. And, uh, you know, it's not that long until we're back into it again, right, with, with the congressional elections coming up next year. So hopefully these, these types of technologies will be made available to all of you in, uh, in New York. So with that, that's going to conclude our presentation and our discussion, unless we can uh, answer any questions that you might have. Hey, Brian, it's Ian Foley from the Western New York chapter of ACB New York, uh, also the legislative co-chair for our state. Uh, you mentioned uh, the developments in New York State, so I was curious what the status was on some of the advancements using the Omni, vote or the Omni ballot uh, through Democracy Live. Even if we can't submit the votes online uh, you know, or do the electronic returns, we could still you know, fill out the ballot on our home computers or tablets and such. Uh, is that possible? And you also mentioned the uh, the actual polling places possible using uh, the Omni ballot system on a tablet. I'm assuming that would be as opposed to using, say, an AutoMark device or a ballot marking device that we've kind of become accustomed to, but often find aren't turned on uh, at our polling places. Is, am I accurate with that? Yeah, you're you're spot on. Um, the AutoMark has been a great a great machine for for many many years. Um, those are now um, reaching end of life, and, and so I, I believe that the county and the, and the counties, plural, and and the, the state are looking for a replacement or an alternative. Uh, now that those systems are are reaching their end of life, and so we are proposing this as an option um, to uh, ensure that, like the automark, that the the ballot that is printed out is the same uniform looking ballot that everybody else gets. Um, they're some emerging other types of technologies that are um, that that don't necessarily do that. They they print a kind of a, a separate looking ballot than what everybody else gets. And and so our approach and uh, you know our honestly our pitch is that you know all ballots should look the same. Um, that there shouldn't be a, a separate but equal looking ballot just because you happen to be using an accessible machine. Um, so that's the process right now. Um, I, I think many counties will be looking to replace the automark um, given the fact that they are reaching end of life. And so this is just an option. But before anything can be selected, of course, you have to go through a certification process. And that's what we're going through right now. So again, we work closely with both Dell and Microsoft on this, on this uh, new technology. And um, uh, 
what I'd, I'd love to be able to do is, is uh, you know, present the actual equipment in person so you all can touch it, feel it, kind of uh, get feedback on it, and um, you know, let us know your thoughts. So that's on the polling place from an accessible uh, absentee solution. Um, I, I do believe there was a, a settlement in the state uh, to make sure that that capability is available to all counties moving forward. Uh, New York City is, is using OmniBallot currently. Um, there are some other counties that are using a, a different type of technology, and that's okay too. That's more of a PDF, kind of a markable PDF, which is a different approach. Um, uh, that was OmniBallot. Be yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So that was going to be one of my questions. Knowing New York City had great results last year with Democracy Live, and many other counties across the state frankly, found it pretty difficult to use some of the not-so-good PDF versions. Um, you know, Democrat, you guys obviously do this better than anybody from what we understand. You are able to pull all the, you know, all the precincts, all the districts, you know, all the different races in those districts, and like you said, create an identical ballot to what you know, everyone else is submitting uh, you know, on election day. So as part of that settlement uh, recently in New York State, we had hoped that Democracy Live may be possibly working throughout all the counties of New York. Is that something you see potentially happening or contracting? Our goal is to to make uh, as an accessible system as possible. Uh, We provide that information to the counties and to the state. Of course, they have to make their decisions and, and, and their judgment on, on how to proceed. Uh, it certainly never hurts to have local advocacy advocating on behalf of, of, of broader accessibility. Um, you know, you're right. The, the, the system that we happen to use in, in New York City, what we do, and this kind of gets down in the weeds a little bit, but we believe that all voters should have a ballot available to them on demand, which means that what we do is we collect all the different types of ballot styles in advance of the election go through a full quality control and accessibility review in advance of the election. So when a voter does want to be able to access their ballot, they can go to the same portal that Melissa, Melissa just described, and you can have your ballot available to you on demand um, rather than kind of wait for a PDF to be sent around and, 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 and modified or changed and then sent back to the county elections office and they send it to you and it can create a delay potentially. So it's just a different approach that we happen to take. Um, but you're right. It, it does mean that we take all the ballots for every single voter in the entire jurisdiction and make that fully accessible and available through the portal on demand. And I'll repeat, it went very well with what you guys did in New York City last year. We'd love to see that across New York State. Do I have any other questions in the room with me here today to ask? Yes, Gene? Yeah. I'm coming around to you. I am right here. Hi, Brian. Um, first, I have to say I love my auto mark, not mine, but my county's. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. I, I wanted to just point out that, that the problem isn't just not having a printer. I don't have one. But even if you do, um, unless you, you, you never know for sure if it printed out correctly. And then, you know, there's always the chance that your pen doesn't have any ink in it when you sign the envelope. So if you need cited assistance with that, you might as well, you know, you don't know that they're not looking at your ballot. You might as well have them fill out the whole ballot. So as far as I'm concerned, until we get um, electronic all the way, um, it, it's the, the ballot is useless. So I'll have to keep going to the polls. Yeah. Well, Gene, I, I certainly I, 
years and years ago, I, I, I actually tried to acquire the, <laughs> the Automark when it first came out. I, I really thought it was such a great, a great tool. But of course, that was back in, you know, the mid 2000s. And here we are, you know, uh, uh, in, you know, 15 years later. So I do think that they're looking for a replacement at some point. Um, and, uh, and I do appreciate your comments about the, the need for electronic return. Uh, I will say that probably in 20 now, 25 states are using, um, uh, the ballot delivery or the ballot delivery and the ballot return. It depends on the state. And, uh, so eventually, hopefully the state of New York can potentially get to a point where you all can do the full at home balloting experience, including the electronic return. Being a totally blind person when it comes to using my finger to make a, my signature, um, it's not good. And my concern is that it wouldn't be accepted because it doesn't look like anything. Right. And as Melissa described, you know, that's just one option. Those are for people that, that, that are comfortable doing that uh, and want to do that. But typically, as, as you might recall, uh, with the, the demonstration that Melissa just provided, uh, you'll enter a, a, a PIN number. And then you can type your, your name um, as part of the process. And so you, you're not forced to turn off that screen reader. Uh, that's just one option. You know, what we try to do is provide as many options to voters as possible. Um, you know, it's interesting, though. We're, we're, we are exploring different types of technologies uh, through Amazon and through some of our partners to come up with alternatives to, you know, the signature. And, and I think that's going to be an ongoing uh, conversation moving forward is what are some of the alternatives to, to signatures to be able to vote from home? I'm out here in the state of Washington where they do 100% vote by mail. And that's a big initiative is to start looking primarily for accessibility purposes, but also, you know, the, the younger generation of voters, they, they don't really sign very well, but they don't teach cursive anymore as an example. And, and so, you know, there, there's a big initiative now underway to come up with alternatives to, to the signature. Uh, things like a PIN number, as an example, in this workflow, which makes it far more accessible. And then you just type your name. So I'm in New York City, and I am so excited, Brian. But how do, are you saying that we can do this now, but we need to print it? Are you saying that we can do most of it now? Yeah, that, that's correct. You, you, can, you can access wow. the portal, but, but you will have to currently uh, use the printer. That, that's that's the way okay. That I mean, for now, it's okay because... Um, I, I don't know if you know what IRA is, um, but we have IRA and we can connect with them and say, hey, show me where to sign it or did this print or, you know, or I can scan it. So for now, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy that I can go this far. Sure, I would like to go all the way like Melissa did, but I'm happy to have this. So how do we get to do this? So when, when the when the election comes up, uh, you can notify your uh, local elections official there in, in the city of New York. Okay. Uh, just contact your elections office. Let them know that you're looking for an accessible at-home uh, ballot, and okay. they will provide you a link uh, back to the uh, to the ballot um, as as well as a PIN number. I believe every state's a little bit different, but I believe you'll get the PIN number in in the city. And then when you click on that link, it's going to bring you back to that experience that Melissa just walked you through. Now, do uh, they have to send an envelope, though, to put it to, do they not have to send something? Uh, yes. Know, to print it? Right. So they'll also send you the envelope. Okay. So what will happen is that you'll print it and uh, you'll be able to take that printout and then put it into the same envelope that all other absentee voters use 
and mail it back to the elections office. All right. So what you're saying is start by going to our county election board because I'm in we're in, in in Kings County in Brooklyn and call them up and say I want the at home accessible ballot. Exactly. See what they say. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Thank yep. you. All right. Thank thank you so much for your question uh, through Zoom. You know, I I want to assure everybody. So this is Karen Blackowitz, and I am your state president. And I just want to assure everybody that the American Council of the Blind of New York, the National Federation of the Blind in New York, ACB and NFB are continually their efforts to make um, online returnable ballots available. You know, there's still some security issues in different states and different reasons why legislation hasn't gotten passed yet. But I just want to assure everybody that we are working as hard as we can, both organizations, um, to really um, work on these issues so it is made accessible for everybody. Um, we do have to close out this section. So I want to thank you all so much for being here in your presentations. If we can give them some applause, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was an honor to, to, uh, to present to you this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank so, you much. so much for being here. From ACB National, we do have Clark Rockfall here, and he is going to give you some updates and things that are going on on the national level. So I'm going to turn it over to Clark at this time. Well, hello, everyone again. Um, <laughs> my name is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Uh, I was told earlier today that I look like Matthew McConaughey. So there's your personal description. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I've been with ACB since February of 2019. And believe it or not, this is my first in-person state convention. Yeah, how about that? I've done plenty virtual. And I guess uh, while we're checking boxes, this is my first hybrid uh, ACB convention as well. So there you go. Two out of three. Not bad. <laughs> Prior to joining ACB. <laughs> Prior to joining ACB, I held policy positions with National Industries for the Blind, uh, Verizon Communications, and outside of uh, policy and governmental affairs. I am also a Paralympian in the sport of tandem cycling. So I retired in 2016, but raced domestically and internationally for Team USA uh, from 2007 to 2016. So I was uh, excited to be invited to speak with you all here today, but not only today, Thursday night as well um, for the leadership seminar on advocacy. But here today, I'd like to get, just share some general, uh, I'm always going to default back to advocacy, right? Because that's, that's the hat that I wear. Um, and we're doing a lot of cool, really cool stuff. But just a broader update on what's going on in ACB, you know, especially over the last year. So a big thank you to Vanda and Democracy Live for their presentations earlier today. Um, touching on the work of Democracy Live, as Karen said, um, the voting work is continuing. So there are still bills in Congress related to voting, and we're working to ensure that nothing in those bills requires a uh, durable paper ballot, because uh, as folks in this room expressed, uh, Gene Mann said it better than, uh, than I could, 
until we're able to return the ballot electronically, until we're not having to deal with paper, it's not fully accessible to us, right? Um, so that's the goal. As Brian stated, the North Carolina Council of the Blind was successful in their lawsuit and the court ruled in their favor, now mandating electronic ballot delivery, completion, and return for all voters with print disabilities. The court in uh, the federal court in Massachusetts uh, ruled similarly for Boston. So they will be utilizing electronic return for uh, their upcoming mayoral election. But it's not only court cases that have been successful. Uh, all of this started in West Virginia when in February 2020, even before the pandemic, ACB, uh, the Mountain State Council of the Blind, the National Council for Independent Living, and the, the state PNA worked together with the state to craft legislation. That legislation was unanimously passed by the West Virginia House, Senate, and signed into law. Uh, the bill number is SB 94, allowing electronic ballot delivery completion and return for voters with disabilities. Since that time, and this is where it gets tricky, Maine, Delaware, North Dakota, Colorado, Nevada, and Hawaii have all either acted you know, with existing state authority or passed legislation, many of them this year to expand access to electronic ballot return for voters with disabilities. So we're starting to see those dominoes fall one by one. Some are urban areas, some are uh, rural areas, some are blue states, some are red states, and some are in between. So there's, there's no real rhyme or reason, but one thing is clear, and we've been able to make the, the case very compellingly. If a state offers electronic ballot return to some voters, meaning fax, email, or electronic portal, then uh, there's no argument that will stand to say that they, can, that they should not also be offering electronic return to voters with disabilities as well. So this work will continue. And thank you to the advocacy work of you all here in New York. I know you're not where you want to be yet, but with the, the advocacy work that you're doing, you certainly move the state forward in the right direction. And I think we'll get there soon. We are being broadcast live over ACB Media Network, which I think is pretty cool. And hello to everyone listening over Zoom right now. Uh, notice I didn't say ACB Radio because ACB Re Radio has been rebranded this year as the ACB Media Network. It's still the ACB Radio that you know and love, but the Media Network just acknowledges that over the past 20 years, the media channels and the avenues that we have to communicate with one another and the broader community are broader than internet radio. So everything that we've been doing, whether it's radio, social media, live videos, uh, recorded videos, uh, all of the community events that are being archived as podcasts, you can find those at ACB Media. Dot org. Um, speaking of the ACB community, how many folks here, just by a round of applause, how many folks here sign up for the 
uh, ACB community events lists and get a, a weekly or daily schedule of ACB community events. All right, that's what I like to hear. So in August, the ACB community celebrated their 5,000th community event, events that just started with the COVID-19 pandemic, because as folks, uh, present company included, were socially isolated and distant from our coworkers, friends, and family, we all uh, really wanted to find new avenues of connection and community and ways to be with our ACB family. And that's why the ACB community was born. Um, and that's what it has offered to our members, the broader blindness community in the United States, as well as internationally over the last year and a half. And these community events cover everything from advocacy issues to social events like karaoke, um, support groups, whether it's AA or widows and widowers, um, and just fun hobby events like crafting or technical assistance and assistive technology like the uh, Apple training sessions, I believe on every Friday and the Vispero sessions on, on every Thursday. The ACB community was also home to a dance party yesterday. So I don't know if folks, if during any of the breaks of this uh, state conference and convention, if you had a chance to tune in, but this dance party was part of the ACB Get Up and Get Moving campaign that we have launched this year. And it was also an opportunity to bring attention to White Cane Day on October 15th. So in addition to celebrating the independence that people with disabilities and people who are blind have, um, you know, symbolized by our white cane, as well as our, our service dogs, that we can get up and be active and get moving just like anyone else. Uh, the dance party also drew attention to our need to get up and get moving, our need to embrace our independence and take back control of our health. And that's really one of the a couple of the main pillars of the ACB Get Up and Get Moving campaign. It's to create greater public awareness to the capabilities of people who are blind, as well as public awareness about the accessibility barriers that there are for, for us to independently manage our health and wellness. You know, we talk a lot about the inaccessibility of durable medical equipment, especially for our members and family who have diabetes, whether it's for the testing and monitoring, but also the, the management, you know, using things like a continuous glucose monitor, testing strips, or insulin pumps. But also a part of this is ensuring that, or ensuring, but trying as much as possible to avoid finding ourselves in the situation where these conditions are exacerbated or these conditions lead to diabetes-related vision loss. So another advocacy aspect of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign is for accessible fitness and exercise equipment and facilities. So we were very glad that Senator Duckworth from Illinois reintroduced the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, but that's just one aspect of how we can work on this issue and move this forward. 
You know, in 2020, we had a, an announcement of the work we did with Peloton to enable the Google Talkback screen reader on the Peloton Bike and Bike Plus. And that's just one example of how we're working with the fitness and exercise community to make their products more accessible. Last month, ACB, as part of the Coalition for Inclusive Fitness, along with Paralyzed Veterans of America and the National Council on Independent Living, uh, we had a joint statement with Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness has around 2,000 uh, gym and exercise facility locations around the country. Have folks in here heard of Planet Fitness before? Yeah. Planet Fitness has committed to purchasing and installing accessible exercise and fitness equipment. So now, not only are manufacturers hearing from us as individuals, us advocating as part of groups and organizations like we talked about on Thursday night, but now they're hearing from our partners in the fitness industry saying, if you build it, we will come. So that's a, a great step forward. You know, they're gyms and fitness facilities like Planet Fitness. They purchase a lot of equipment, right? So if anything's going to move the needle, it's getting other fitness facility providers, whether that's gyms, universities, uh, government buildings, hotels like this. How many folks here have, have gone to the hotel gym just across the hall? I tell you, I've been in there the last few mornings and other than mashing my hand on the screen to try to get the, the treadmill to turn on, um, the equipment in there is pretty inaccessible. So how great would it be to have hotel chains purchasing and installing accessible equipment so that when we're here, when we're at our state and our national conventions, you know, when we're hanging out late, socializing in uh, either the, the bar and restaurant or playing Name That Tune or in the hospitality room, you know, we can get up and <laughs> Ian's chuckling over here, but we can go to the gym the next day to kind of sweat it out a little bit, right? You know, start, start the day anew and start it off fresh. So, some of the other work we're doing with the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, I know many folks here participated in the uh, Microsoft Soundscape dem demonstration with Russ Meyer from the Capital Region Nordic Alliance. And I know I certainly found that very, very interesting and was glad to be a part of it. Um, but that's also another avenue. How can we use technology out in the world around us to make it more accessible and more inviting for folks to get up and get moving? And you all are doing some of this work in New York State as well with the, uh, you know, the advocacy work around accessible pedestrian signals, making transportation more accessible. So this is a, a multi-year campaign that ACB is undertaking, our Get Up and Get Moving campaign. And there was a great announcement yesterday that Walmart is joining us in this effort. So in 2019, we announced a partnership with Walmart. They now have the Script Talk accessible prescription labeling solution in over 1,900 Walmart and Sam's Club's locations. And we're partnering again uh, to help spread the word about how important accessible health, 
and wellness and our get up and get moving campaign is for our blind and low vision populations. Another issue that I know our, our friends from Charter Spectrum and Peter, who's, who's here in the exhibit area, will be talking about here shortly is audio description. Do we have any fans of audio description in the room? All right. And I, I hope folks saw the announcement from earlier this week about the first inaugural audio description awards gala. So on November 18th at 7.30 p.m., there will be a virtual awards gala. And at this event, featuring some celebrities um, like Jason Momoa, who's played Aquaman and who was called Drogo in Game of Thrones, along with many others. Um, I'm blanking on his name. But the, the actor who played Daredevil um, in the series on Netflix and several other actors from the Apple TV Plus series C will be on hand. Um, our co-host announced for this event is a blind audio describer himself, Thomas Reed. So it'll be a, a great evening to celebrate you know, we like to think of this as the Oscars of audio description. So it will be celebrating the excellent, the excellent work that has been done in audio description um, for high quality, for quantity of work, and just innovations in the field. And now that I, I'm here in New York, I need to do a special shout out to ACB of New York member Satana Howry for all, being the voice of audio description for Seinfeld on Netflix. So that launched a couple weeks ago. Satana is the audio describer of all nine seasons of Seinfeld. So it's excellent work like that, that we want to draw attention to and highlight, uh, but do it in a way different than we've done in the past. You know, we, we've certainly held events and we've preached to the choir on audio description, right? We, we talk about it here at our state conventions. We talk about it at the annual conference and convention. Lord knows we talk about it on Capitol Hill and with the Federal Communications Commission, but we want to get it out broader. We want to embrace the media and entertainment communities so that they understand the value of audio description and having accessible media and accessible entertainment and inclusion for people with disabilities in the work that they're creating. So again, this event will be in virtual. We hope in future years that we're able to hold uh, a live in-person gala, potentially New York, potentially LA. But folks, please, please tune in and join us on November 18th for the AD Awards Gala. And then, well, not, not last here, I guess I'll I'll say one of the reasons I'm happy to be here with you all is because I'm hoping this gets me some good karma points. Um, this week in fantasy football, I'm going up against Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, and the Buffalo defense. So I'm hoping you all take it easy on me, at least for, uh, for one week here. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you're not going to take it easy on me, then one thing I would encourage you to do is to visit the acb.org website. Um, ACB, this is our 60th year. 
And for everyone who would like us to continue our advocacy work, our community engagement and outreach work, uh, please visit acb.org and click on the link for ACB 60 for 60 campaign. Uh, Whether you can make a small, medium or large donation, uh, the goal of the 60 for 60 campaign is to raise $60,000 over the next year. We're already a quarter of the way there with over $15,000 raised um, from individual members and donors, but also through a matching corporate sponsorship from Vispero. So folks, please uh, you know, support the great work that we're doing here at ACB and please make a donation to the 60 for 60 campaign. And then finally, putting my advocacy hat back on. If you would like to follow ACB's advocacy work, there are multiple ways to do that. Um, Every two weeks, ACB National puts out the dots and dashes email newsletter. There is also the Washington Connection that you can call in by phone. We also have our ACB Advocacy Update podcast, which for folks who listen to the podcast, you know I always say, You can listen to it via your favorite podcast player or by listening on the ACB Media Network. So we're trying to get the word out about all the great advocacy work that's being done by ACB, as well as share other opportunities for folks to get engaged and be involved. If you have any advocacy-related issues that you would like to bring to our attention, you can always email me and our new advocacy and outreach specialist. Swatha Nandukumar. Uh, Swatha joined us in March of this year. So I I still think I can say that she's new, right? She hasn't even been with us for a year yet. Um, But you can email us at advocacy at acb.org. And one of us will will respond to you and try to work with you. And if we don't have the answer, which there are many things we don't have the answers to, uh, we like to think that we know people who may. So it could be getting you in touch with Ian for local matters here in New York, or referring you to some of our other partners as well. So again, thank you for letting me join you here this weekend. And also a a big thank you to uh, Michael from the NFB of New York for joining. Uh, It's always good to see the collaboration between ACB of New York and NFB of New York on voting and many other issues. So again, thank you all. And I look forward to Uh, spending more time uh, with you all or speaking with you over the phone or over email. All right. Thank you, Clark. And Clark has a flight to catch off to home again. I'm going to do a door prize really quick. I have a $20 Oliver's gift card. It's Oliver's Candies in Batavia. Again, those of you who attended the uh, the 20, was it 2019 National Convention in Rochester? Seems so long ago. I guess it was. Yeah, I guess it was. you may remember, you may have taken a tour uh, to Oliver's Candies in Batavia. So I'm thinking of a number between one and 50. Because we don't have tickets to draw from, so I'm going to have to do it this way. I'll give you a hint. It's my favorite NASCAR driver of all time. Oh, somebody was close. Well, somebody's dyslexic. <laughs> wow. Bing. Was that Karen? <laughs> <laughs> the King Richard Petty himself would be number 43. There you go. You caught the 34. Okay. 
<laughs> Congratulations. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. What a great presentation from Clark. That was a lot of great updates um, and uh, really interesting to hear on voting and audio description, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, so uh, good afternoon or whatever time of day it is uh, for those of you who are listening online and welcome. Uh, I'm really, really excited to be in New York for the ACB convention in person for the first time. Uh, we were part of the convention last year, but it was virtual. Uh, so sad tears. Uh, we didn't get a chance to hang out together. So this has been really great uh, to spend some time with some of you back there in the exhibit hall and uh, to meet some of you in person, get to know names that I've heard uh, and shake some real hands. So um, I want to give you a few updates and share with you what Spectrum is doing. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Spectrum, perhaps you're familiar with Charter Communications, Time Warner Cable, or Bright House Network, depending on where you're from. These three companies merged under the parent company, Charter Communications, in 2016. And, it, uh, and we uh, launched with the brand name of Spectrum. So for most of you who had those providers uh, maybe saw those on your bills or whatnot. Now you know us as Spectrum. So that's a little background there, cable, uh, internet, and phone service provider. Now, I want to run through fairly quickly uh, to give you an update of what uh, products and services we offer and what the accessibility expectations that, uh, that you might have of those services. Now, we're first and foremost a cable company. So on the traditional cable end, You've got, and I know a lot of you, we've been talking back there at the table, have that set-top box plugged in in your home. If you don't already know about guide narration, I implore you, encourage you <laughs> uh, to get it hooked up. Uh, I've met so many people over the last couple of years that uh, have a Spectrum box but have never turned on guide narration or don't even know that it's available to them. Some of you might be familiar with uh, my friends down there out of Florida, uh, Blind and Beyond Radio Show. Uh, I was on with them last month, and uh, there's a gentleman that called in and said, I've never even known that I have all of these accessibility options available to me. So if you're clicking through your TV and you don't have a, a voice uh, guidance uh, talking through that with you, giving you that accessibility option, uh, get it turned on. It's absolutely free. Uh, if you've got an older box that doesn't support it, we'll replace it, put a new box in there at no charge for you. Um, now, along those same lines, we've got a couple of remote uh, features available to you. If you would like a bigger, bulkier remote, uh, or maybe one with bigger buttons that might be easier to see, we do have a big, big button remote option that's available to you for free. You can pick one up in a store or call and get one shipped to you. Uh, or for the standard remote, um, and I've got one back there at the table uh, for those of you who are here in person. But uh, there's, a, there's a nifty little uh, face plate uh, or an overlay that you can clip onto the face of the remote. And it hides all of those extra buttons that you don't use regularly. And so all you have available to you are the sort of daily use buttons, the channel, volume, numeric keypad, your accessibility button. And yes, I said accessibility button. Some of you have been surprised to learn that just on, on your standard remote, just above the number one key, 
is a button that's labeled the options button, but we've been calling it the accessibility button because we've sort of rebranded it. Um, in your While you're in live TV, when you press that uh, button above the number one key, followed by the number two, you can turn SAP on and off. That's the audio description uh, uh, channel. So there's no, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a monetized app yeah. uh, and it's not an authenticated cool. app. So you don't even need credentials to get into it. Right. Um, I've described it as a gift to the community, to, mostly to the blind community, even though it has closed captioning uh, in the app, most of the people who use it are blind or visually impaired because um, audio description is still has a larger gap in terms of, you know, having access to it uh, than closed captioning. So um, really proud of the work that we've put into this. Uh, we've got a small team of people who are also working on other projects who are putting their time sometimes on the weekends to building this app out. Um, it's just been extraordinary to see the amount of support, not just from our accessibility team, but others within uh, the development teams that have put their time into it. So uh, download it, Spectrum Access. Uh, if you've got questions or feedback, it's spectrumaccess at charter. Dot com. All right, I'm going to give you one more interesting uh, update that came out this summer, and that is that uh, the latest generation of the Apple TV, that's the little Apple TV box that you would plug into your TV. Uh, it's super confusing that they called it Apple TV, and they should have just called it Apple's streaming box or something. Um, because people tell me, well, it's, it's a, how big is the screen? It's, not, it's just a box. Um, but the Spectrum TV app runs on the Apple TV platform, and obviously that's a partnership, a valuable partnership of ours. But I have the third generation Apple TV, the one that just came out as the fourth. And if you're anything like me, boy, I got to be careful what I say because it's a partnership of ours, right? But it's not the best user experience for that remote for certain people, is it? It's got that flat touch pad that you got to swipe on and it uh, clicks by accident sometimes if you grab it the wrong way. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's very complicated. It gets lost in my couch every three hours. Um, so the partnership with Apple TV, and this is not, by the way, it's not an accessibility thing. It just happens to have an accessibility benefit. It's available to anybody, but it's a remote that's, what we're calling a Spectrum Apple TV remote. Now, you can get this in lieu of the Apple TV remote or in addition to, I suppose. Uh, it's only $12. By the way, if you lose your Apple TV remote or break it, it's $60 to replace. So uh, this one's only 12 bucks. And it looks more like a traditional remote. It's got tactile buttons. Uh, it doesn't have a flat touch pad that will click by accident. Uh, it has a guide button. So let's say, for instance, you're in your Apple TV and you're perusing through HBO app and you say to yourself, oh, gosh, it's nine o'clock and I'm missing Bill Maher, whatever it is. I need to go to Spectrum. You can press the guide button and it automatically takes you to the Spectrum TV guide. All right. So that's a neat feature there that's available to you. You've got additional Siri capabilities. So you've got those voice input capabilities uh, with your Spectrum Guide. So you can search for HBO and that kind of stuff as well using Siri. Um, and, uh, and like I said, it's just a little bit more of a traditional size. It's not very bulky or anything. Uh, it's still a fairly uh, 
fairly compact remote, but it is a little more has a little more of a footprint than the traditional Apple TV remote uh, so that you don't lose it as easily and the buttons are easier to find. All right, that sounds pretty good. So uh, that's really it for the updates. I wanna encourage you all, if you've got any questions about the Spectrum Access, again, that's spectrumaccess at charter.com. Uh, come find me at the booth for whatever remaining time we have there today if you have any additional questions. For those of you online, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, feel free to reach out if you have any additional questions. I love that I'm able to be here in person. I'm hoping that the ACB National Convention next year, I can come meet more of you uh, and we can be more in person together. But uh, thank you, Ian. Thank you, Karen, for having me here. Thank you all. Thank you, Peter. I'm one of those people who actually uses the Spectrum TV app on a Roku TV. So I can tell you it's the coolest thing on earth. For somebody who thought he was going to cut the cord, well, guess what? <laughs> I still have the Spectrum app. So cheap plug for Spectrum. So I'd like to introduce Mike Robinson. He is the previous NFB of Buffalo president, and he is now the NFB of New York State president. And recently, the ACB of Western New York has basically started to, uh, to participate and cooperate with NFB of Western New York, NFB of Buffalo. And we're finding the partnership to be a good one. Um, we're starting to have some information sharing and find lately we have a lot more in common than we have differences. And frankly, I find it very refreshing. So I'm going to introduce or hand the mic over to Mike Robinson. Round of, there you go. I hear one round of applause. Thank you very much. Here you go, Mike. Thank you, sir. I thank you very much for having me. Okay, NFB State President at an ACB convention. Wow, who would have seen this coming? Yeah. It's about time. You know, um, Karen and I have had lots of discussions. First of all, let's, let's hear for Ian and Karen about this convention. Isn't they a fantastic job in their, in their committees? They did a great program, a, a lot of fun activities. Uh, very, very nice job. Anyway, um, Karen and I had lots of discussions about NFB and ACB. Okay, we, we have different philosophies, yes. We've had conflicts in the past, yes. I'm sorry. Everybody knows that uh, ACB was and NFB were the same organization years ago, and then split off. Who was around back in the '60s when this happened? That's what I thought. I saw somebody try to raise their hand. Please don't. Um, but this is this is 2021. You know, it, it we we need. We've all been through legislative, legislative uh, um, battles, I want to call them. Um, and there's strength in numbers. So there's, there's things that we should be working together on. You know, we're, all, we're all working together on the, uh, the voting issues, uh, voting in New York State, which uh, unfortunately, we have a judge who doesn't believe that democracy lab is necessary, and that's why we're still fighting with PDFs. Um, who, um, you know, we're working together on the, the blind vendors um, problems through a authority at SUNY. Um, you know, there's lots of legislative issues that we should agree on and we should work together on. And that way we have a united front. And, uh, you know, we will, I'm, I'm committing that when it comes time to start thinking legislation for our, for our um, seminar 
uh, in Albany um, to have my legislative team get together with ACBs and hopefully come up with a, a with a uh, neutral agenda so uh, we can hopefully move our legislation along a little easier. Now, I mentioned yesterday, if you were at the town hall meeting, that the blind person's right to parent act was, was passed and signed by the governor. So that is now law, which will make it unlawful for blindness to be used as a excuse when considering custody. Um, and it, when it comes time to, it's necessary to push or to make noise about that. I will certainly keep in touch with ACB. Hey, Karen, so what else can we do together? What do you see? What else do you see us doing together? Definitely not having a drink together. Not with this guy. Not again. You know, I'm, I'm sure all of you here listening and, and some of you on ACB radio and around the state are shaking your heads going, what is she doing? And, you know, I, I want to address that because... Mike and I have known each other for probably 30 or more years, and we certainly have had our differences over the years. But when it comes to advocacy and when it comes to some issues, we have a common goal. And we can talk about the differences in philosophies, but I, I don't see why. There's, they may go left around the mountain, we may go right, but we're all trying to get to the same place on issues that we believe in together. Mike and I have learned how to communicate, talk things out, work together, leave aside the things that don't really matter. We're all blind working for the same issues. Our own state president, Dan Spoon, had Mark Riccobono on uh, some of his uh, legislative national um, uh, uh, stuff that he put out over ACB radio and, and national events. I feel at this time, if our national presidents can put some differences aside, certainly we can do that in the great state of New York. So as you're listening and going, really, people? Are you crazy? No, crazy would be not communicating. And that's really all I have to say. Thank you. <clears throat> and I certainly, yes. I certainly echo what Karen has to say because, uh, well, we do need to, at times, show unity, show, show force, um, not oppose each other. And uh, you know, when it comes down to educating our kids, Let's put the kids first when it comes to uh, fair and independent voting. Absolutely. To work together to the same goals when it comes to jobs, when it comes to education. Um, elderly population. Thank you, Karen. I heard one of the things being talked about at the board meeting was getting extra funding for the commission. Absolutely. Um, that's something that NFB's been working on, something you've been working on. Let's unite our efforts and go approach it with a, a unified front. Now, I think a good start, and I'm going to make this invitation, is to bring, well, I don't have control over the entire state, I, but I can speak 
uh, and makes an invitation on behalf of the Western New York or Buffalo chapter. We are having a Christmas uh, holiday. We can't have a Christmas party. We're having a holiday party on December. Thank you. Ninth, six to nine. We'll get we'll get you details. But I'd like to invite the Western New York chapter to join us for that. Uh, anybody else would like to join us? You're welcome. Um, my chairman of my party will be in touch with you about the details. Sounds good. Momentarily from the sound of it. <laughs> Is that Margo? Yes. <laughs> but she and I discussed it. We thought it was a fantastic idea. So. I think right. that's a great idea. The, the Buffalo Blind community is a small community, but we all seem to know who each other are from the last 30, 40, 50 years. It's about time. That really is. Um, the Buffalo chapter, we're a crazy bunch. So we just want you to come, whoever wants to, and to our party. It's at the White Elephant Banquet Center in Lackawanna, New York. And we're a fun bunch. We just ask, and I think Andrew would agree with me too, that we just ask that you come and make yourselves at home and be yourselves. Have a wonderful time. We're going to have a wonderful dinner and we're going to plan a little bit of entertainment. We won't have that much time um, to do that. But I want to see as many of you who can come to our party. December 9th from 6, from it's Thursday, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. 1404 Abbott Road. I can send something out if somebody tells me how to. Thank you, Margo. Uh, in New York City, we've been at each other's events as well. I mean, you know, our events are open to anybody who wants to come, and some of their events are also open. So in that sense, we've been to each other's events. And also, I was invited uh, when I was president of the local uh, chapter, I was invited to uh, speak at an NFB event. So there is a... Uh, there's, you know, de facto cooperation going on in New York City as well. That's good to hear. That's excellent to hear. And, you know, we we will work together. You know, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to try to project my voice. But, uh, I'm not a fan of microphones. Um, we will work together. We'll share ideas. There's nothing wrong with having differences in, in opinions. There's nothing wrong with not agreeing on things as long as you can set those aside and focus on what you do agree on. So let's work together. Let's grow opportunities for, for uh, blind individuals all over New York state. And uh, you know, your state presidents have both agreed that we're, we, we need to do this, but we can't do it without our members. That's our, that's our strength is our members. So I look forward to working with every one of you. And I just want everybody to know that, as we had invited Mike Robinson to speak at this convention and he has been here throughout. Some of you know that some of you don't, but I was given equal amount of time to speak at their convention next week. So we want to thank you all for your support. Um, but we really do feel at this time, the two organizations can get much further working on the issues we agree on. And for Margo's statement, for all those people who don't know, she says, be yourself. I don't know how to be anyway else. Either you love me or you hate me, darling. Thank you, guys. And on, on that note, um, also, I want to extend an invitation to everybody here and uh, in Zoom to uh, join us for our convention. We're not charging a registration fee this year. You can register by going to nfbny.org. Very simple form to fill out. 
and uh, the agenda with the Zoom information will also be online. It's actually starting on Monday with one of, with our groups and divisions meeting during the week, and then um, the convention itself, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So please join us. Thank you very much, Mike. All right, would you believe we are back on schedule? Way to go, guys. All right, I'm going to turn off one mic, keep the other one on. Okay, so I'm back on the wireless mic. I don't like the little mic. So last but not least, I can't believe we're at 4.30 and we have a half hour left and we're not going to be late unless we ask a lot of questions over the next few minutes. So Russ Meyer, Kayla, or Colin Westman, and Megan Hale are here from the Capital Region Nordic Alliance, or CERNA. It's always easier to say CERNA. <laughs> for the Zoom members, you've heard a lot of us talking about, or you've heard us talking a lot the last couple of days about soundscape and navigation. I can tell you from our personal experience, myself and 19 other people this morning, we took a tour outside the hotel using our canes or guide dogs and Microsoft Soundscape on an iPhone. And it was the coolest experience, kind of listening to the little Tinkerbell navigation kind of twinkling in our ears, telling us which way to go, like with a beacon direction, you know, kind of a homing beacon. It, you know, got louder, higher pitched as we were going in the right direction. And as soon as you veered off course, it, would, it was really very fascinating. Um, we were talking to Clark Rockfall earlier today, and he was saying how much he uses it in his daily life. Um, identifying landmarks and things like that in his own, you know, on his home turf in his neighborhood as he's traveling, you know, in conjunction with the navigation uh, apps on his iPhone. So this is some very cool tech technology that can be integrated into what we're already using. And uh, I, I know a lot of us had questions after going through the, uh, the demonstration walks this morning. And I know Russ is excited to hear those. The more he can learn, the more he can tweak it, the more he can, you know, make it make it work for us. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over the microphone to Russ Meyer and welcome him with an applause. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all very much. And for those uh, that are Zooming, uh, we will uh, most certainly take your questions and inquiries because CRNA and its initiative with Microsoft Soundscape, uh, as I speak today, it's being run at Queens College in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, courses for the blind population in uh, North Carolina. So uh, the impetus has begun to uh, spread it uh, to the blind low vision population to help them get up and go, to be more independent, to be more empowered. And for all of you today that did participate, a uh, most certainly heartfelt thanks for us and the feedback that uh, we heard then and that we look to hear back now. I want to thank Ian, uh, and, and most certainly, I, I won't speak for Caleb and, and Megan, but we thank Karen and Mike and Ian, uh, Clark and others uh, who invited us here to try this. And um, it, what I've heard today, I, I don't want to speak too long because I'd like to get to the questions and have Megan and Caleb uh, answer as well. But we have been to NFB corporate headquarters. We met with President Riccobono. We developed courses down at Riverside Park with Megan going with us to validate them. Uh, and now we're here at ACB. And what Mike and others have talked about is a unified uh, 
direction from both organizations for the benefit of, of all the members, uh, current and those to come, uh, we'd like to be a part of it in, in a number of realms. So uh, I'm deeply touched to, to see this, this energy. And as I say, we, we look forward to being a part of it as far as the health and wellness of you all and to be able to uh, spread it as we go. Very briefly, CERNA. I like that, Ian. CERNA, uh, we are a Move United chapter. We, we uh, specialize in Nordic sports, so we work with those with mobility and visual impairments in cross-country uh-huh. skiing, biathlon, snowshoeing, skeleton, and trail orienteering for the sighted and blind. So um, those are the sports that we do. We work from people and crowds just as you, all the way up to the elite athletes that represent the United States at the Paralympics, the World Trail Orienteering Championships, etc. So we start right here in Buffalo, but we can, and we do go to Europe, uh, to Asia, uh, with those that are blind and visually impaired representing us. So the technology that we started two years ago with Microsoft Soundscape was another addition that complemented what we do for trail orienteering. Uh, and we were very excited to have over half of the attendees at this convention participate. Uh, some of the questions that you gave right away, some of the inquiries were excellent. But what I'd like to do now uh, with Ian and Caleb and Megan is, uh, if you, for those of you that did, and by the way, if you didn't, but you're interested in trying it, Caleb, Megan, and I uh, would be happy to take you through uh, the courses uh, right around the building. Granted, this isn't a beautiful park with trails and maples and cherries and, and uh, the aromas and, and, and the senses that are stimulated in a park, which is where we usually are, uh, but that can happen. That can happen. We've, we've established courses in Lake Placid, Albany, New York, the Hudson Valley, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where we've run some events. So um, if, if you'd want to try it afterwards, we are more than happy to take a walk for you and have you experience it. So without further ado, again, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, uh, we look forward to hearing from them. The engineers at Microsoft are absolutely committed. Uh, and as Caleb and Megan can tell you, uh, we've been working on this for two years. And when something good comes along, something of value to improve it, uh, it's, it's noted. And we work with engineers in Seattle, Washington and London, England. We work on um, these two countries and continents, and we have bi-weekly meetings. And so the comments that you give us today that are recorded and that we, we will pass on uh, could very well and could quite conceivably make a better product for you all uh, throughout what we plan someday to be the world. So any comments, any suggestions? And I'm going to hand the mic after I get your question to either Calum or Megan. Or would you two like to say something? Do you want to expound on the project, Megan? Megan is uh, visually impaired. She is a junior at SUNY Brockport. And just an aside before I get this, she'll talk about is we have created courses for her and other college students on college campuses for safe navigation. And so now she, she can, she's turned loose. I don't know if that's good for SUNY Brockport. Gosh, I don't, yeah, holy cow, I'll have to talk to the president. But this is Megan Hale and uh, her uh, colleague in crime, Hero. All right, so I'm Megan, as he said. Um, 
and I basically validate the courses. I go through almost 99% of the courses to make sure that they are accessible for all of us blind individuals and any feedback that they need, I send that back. And so when Russ brought this to me a year ago, um, we were just working on this with parks and we kept doing parks and I'm like, well, I'm going to a campus. What if we expand this for a campus? He's like, that's a good idea. Let's try it. Let's make some trouble. So we went to Brockport. Um, good trouble. Yes. And uh, we went to Brockport. I have a few professors that I'm friends with at Brockport and they met up with me and we showed them the course. And um, so now they're thinking of making it part of their adventure um, program that they're working on at SUNY Brockport for other students who are going into the adapted physical education field. Um, so they have that under their, in their uh, little toolbox of stuff so they can adapt sports for the blind and visually impaired. Um, and as Russ says, we have courses on campus with my classes in it because sometimes, you know, the classes are hard to find. Um, and then I got a call from a freshman at our school and he's like, Megan, I need help. I can't find my classes. I'm like, well, I'll help you. This is, this is what we'll do. So he, you know, has um, the courses. I went through the class, all of his buildings. We made the adjustments we needed and, uh, so now he's able to successfully navigate the campus without having to rely on somebody to help him get around. He's just able to get up and go and just do whatever. If he needs another course added, um, you know, if he wants to go to the gym and go to um, one of the dining, the other dining halls on campus, we can add that into his thing and he can just get up and go. So your question is, how, how do we actually designate the buildings? Uh, we, we don't find the rooms um, because working inside buildings with the metal, et cetera, uh, is not accurate. And yes, Megan, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to help clarify that. So we do have um, the beacons are set outside of each building. And that's only because I told Russ that finding the building is half the battle. Once you found it and you're inside, you can ask a student, you know, where is professor so-and-so's office versus being outside, not knowing where you're going and trying to look for a professor's office and nobody knows where the kiss me department is. So you don't, you don't want that. It, it's kiss me kinesiology, sports studies, physical education. Yeah. It's already. <laughs> What uh, technology do we have to have available to both as a GPS, uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth? So I can answer that one for you. Um, you do need J GPS or Internet, Wi-Fi or data from your data plan will work. You don't necessarily need Bluetooth for the headphones, but if you want to have the headphones that are Bluetooth activated, yes. But you don't necessarily need it for the app itself. Uh, it's GPS in your phone, either Wi-Fi or data. Uh, so you, you mentioned that there was a course at a park in the Hudson Valley. Can you tell me more about that? We're working with the Veterans Center uh, down in close to Wappinger Falls. 
And one of the contracts that we're currently working on with New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, we have public courses at the Five Rivers Center in Delmar, New York, in Albany. But the other three for DEC, one is in Wappinger Falls, one is in Shenango County, and one is right here in Western New York in Depew. And so uh, we hope to have actually two courses in the Cat in the uh, Catskills Mid uh, Hudson uh, Valley region at Wappinger Falls, and then at uh, the Veterans Center. Depew is uh, um, yeah, Depew is the next town over from Chictawaga. Yeah. Um, it is the DEC Environmental Education Center. It's got a really long name to it. Um, I can locate it for you. But DEC only has four centers, four environmental education centers in the entire state. One is in Depew. Um, I can get the name for you real quick in the Google search, but uh, I, I just can't remember right now. I just know Western New York Harbor is one of them. Russ, I, get a, I guess another question would be, is there a website that we can go to to learn about CRNA's activities and what might be available in our region? We do have our website. Uh, we do have a Microsoft Soundscape page on it with videos, testimonials, and a description of it. Uh, and, you know, what we're currently doing, Caleb, Megan, and I, if and, and we extend this to ACB and NFB about events or programming that ongoing program or special events that you run. If you want this type of exercise community building uh, at any of these, the authoring tool and the technology has increased so much in just the last six months. Everything is pretty much done remotely now. And what we did today, I did for my office in Albany, New York. Uh, the courses they're using in North Carolina, I did it for my office in Albany, New York. So we're going to offer those types of complimentary services for uh, any special events or programming that you do. The website is capitalregionnordicalliance.org. I was on the walk this morning, and one of the things that I noticed was that sometimes um, when it was announcing the distances and stuff, it would be in my left ear, and other times it was in my right ear. And I wondered, was that... Uh, what significance that had. So the Soundscape app lets you know those indications of distance um, from the same direction of the beacon. So if the beacon is a little bit to your right, then it'll show up in the right headphone. If the beacon is a little bit to your left, it'll show up in the left headphone. And if you're dead center, it should be in both. So Bluetooth headphones or just headphones in general will help with that. Um, the headphones have more of a surround sound 360 capability than the phone does. So using headphones will help to be more accurate with the waypoint. Are Rodney and Martin in the room? Okay, I know you guys had some questions for Russ, too, from just our earlier conversations, if you wanted to. So I wondering if you could speak about the, the accuracy of the, of the straight line distance. Like we would, we would be walking along and, and it would say, you know, you're... Uh, 65 feet from the from the beacon, and then you know we take about you know, six steps, and it says you're you're there. So I was wondering if you could t talk about about that, and then we, we have some some things. So the GPS is not 100% accurate. There is a spot, almost a circle, that the GPS determines as a point, and so with the um, range indicator, we get that a lot, where it says 65 feet or 50 feet. And then you're there. So 
our belief is that that is the GPS being a little slow. It's thinking that you're a couple of feet back when you're a little bit forward, but our usual um, experience is that it's not enough to have you not be on the beacon. It'll still get you right where you need to be. For the distance, there's a 12 meter and, and, and understand that all of you that participated today, when you got to any of the waypoints, you were within a foot or two of each other. I mean, it was very close, but uh, because we are with GPS satellites several hundred miles up, there's typically a 10 to 12 meter circle that when you found a waypoint today, they'd say waypoint three is nearby is nearby so you're you could be oh and uh nancy is nancy here she was standing at waypoint five over here in the corner of the building and it says you're really close and she moved her left foot like three inches three honest to goodness it was three inches and um so you're just at that that zone of 12 meters to where you're at but that's saying most of you today that walked the course you you could have raised your elbows and bumped each other and so, and, and, and that's pretty good because when Megan does, when, when Megan is walking streets at Brockport College, we don't want to point to be in the intersection or on the street. And so we devise it to where when she gets her point, she's got another six, eight meters perhaps to get to the intersection. So it's, it's safety. Safety is all. And <clears throat> when we have had blind, low vision people do this and they're absolutely exultant, they're, they're just so happy. And they just want to go out and do it all themselves. We do not prescribe that because I've been in coaching and officiating and program development in a number of sports for 30 years and the very elitist of athletes on the planet. I do not encourage them to go out by themselves. They, they just don't for safety and for their welfare and all that they can get out of what they do. So we have the, the, the same principle applies here to go out and do it, go out with Another blind person, go out with your spouse, go out with a child, uh, lead. Our expression in our project is lead, not be led. And that's the empowerment that, that, that is derived from this. But again, safety is, is paramount. And as you know, when you all walked around today in a parking lot, right across the street from Buffalo Airport, uh, we were with you and, and we shadowed you and we, we just made sure that you got the most out of it. But uh, we don't encourage that. Any other questions, comments? Thank you. Hi, it's Martin uh, from Westchester. Uh, this question is directed at Megan. Um, when, when we're mobile, we're, we're focused on a lot of things at the same time. Uh, one of the things that we focus on is uh, traffic and, and uh, the direction of traffic. Um, if we have a constant noise that we're also listening to now and focusing to make sure that we have it at a high pitch, is that a distraction? Uh, would uh, a different type of notification be a voice notification of you're your heading the right direction, you're in the wrong direction, be helpful as opposed to the to the sounds, the dinging, or the tinkerbell, as Russ, I think, called it. Um, that's question number one. And question number two is the fact that the phone has to be um, horizontal in front of you uh, for, for the best accuracy. You couldn't have it in your pocket, I believe. Uh, and there, there is a harness for that, but is that an issue as well? All right. So generally, like Russ said, there's a few like crosswalks on campus. Um, so generally what Soundscape does, 
And that's just not our on our part. It's just what Soundscape was made to do. It tells you when a crosswalk is coming. So I'll be coming at our speed that my guide dog and I walk pretty fast. And it'll all of a sudden go crosswalk. And it'll tell you, you know, what street you're going to be crossing. And usually I turn Soundscape down and, you know, listen for the cars. Once we get across, turn it back up. Um, so that, that it could be something you could do um, if you want to do that. We also have the um, bone conduction aftershock headsets and the Bose frames that we've used and I've used them. So that way your ears are open when you're going around. And once your phone is connected to the Bose frames or the aftershock headphones, then you can just put your phone in your pocket because then the um, the gyroscope is or the, yeah the gyroscope is in the um, is in the headset. So then you don't have you can be hands free and just kind of move your head around, and that will follow the soundscape. You can be fairly successful with it being in a pouch or a pocket. But as Megan just said, for the and Caleb earlier, the 3D surround sound that gives you a very multi-sensory mindfulness exercise is really enhanced with the Bose frames, aftershocks, or some. Most of you did the earbuds today. In my area, I can I, you know, this this program today was, you know, with putting the QR code in was just to follow that particular route. So I can use it in my area. If, can I put in like an an address or something where I need to go and, you know, get the prompts to get me, you know, where I need to go. Is it, is it possible to use it that way? I guess I'm asking. Uh, just from my perspective, the QR code is for a specific event, but as I'll let Calum expand, Microsoft Soundscape itself, from what a lot of you use, is very, very detailed on intersections, on routes. Um, but, but I'll So in the Soundscape app, when you first open it, there's a search bar that you can search for a place or address. And then there's places nearby, saved markers, and current location. So if you go to the places nearby section of that menu, it will let you know about any nearby Soundscape experiences, as well as being able to put in an address. The whole QR code is for a specific experience, a program, an event. Uh, we ran one down on Long Island with Third Eye Insight uh, at Belmont Lake State Park. And at that point, we did specific QR codes in our, in our phones uh, that uh, we played host to the event. But for general navigation, even at Megan's SUNY Brockport, when I was laying out the course, it was telling me when the, where there were alleys. You're coming across this alley and this little tiny trail between two residence halls. It is quite, quite specific. I was just going to add that with the original soundscape without CERNA attached to it, it's just, you can just put the one point in. So just from the hotel to the airport. So with our version, you could put in the multiple locations. You can put in the hotel, Denny's, um, Somebody had Tim Hortons earlier today. So I guess there's a Tim Hortons here and, you know, and then the airport to pick up a friend and then back to the hotel. So with that version, you can put multiple locations in and that's the version we're working on. Um, so not only like we've worked with parks, 
So not only could you be able to navigate a park independently and know what statues are in the park and what landmarks there are, but then you could also put in your errands. So if you want to go from your house to work, to coffee shop, to laundromat, grocery store, back home, you know, you could put all of that into the version that we're working on of Soundscape. Okay, I'm not sure I understood everything correctly this morning. Then, uh, so what you're saying is that the the Cerner piece is is basically the the QR code that we that we scanned. That that specific map is something that that is not available without you guys um, versus the regular soundscape model, which would be just that I would put it in and I want to go to Denny's or whatever. Right. What 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 they're looking for is that there are two parts to the initiative orientation and mobility, daily navigation, and the Paralympic sport format. So what they are working on currently is setting up multiple routes and organized, but the other initiative that will be forthcoming that will be public is, is the safety and, and the orientation and mobility. We just set up designated routes, and, and what we do being a Move United chapter is the events. You know, in, in um, the International Blind Sports Federation lists seven sports for the blind. Uh, and when you look at the Paralympics, there are just a couple of sports for the blind. We, I'm a classifier for cross-country skiing in the Paralympics, and we have blind cross-country skiing and biathlon. But other than that, it's few and far between. And what we're trying to do with as many partners as we can, ACB and NFB and et cetera, is to have that initiative and that inertia started to where this could be the eighth sport. Back to your question. Um Microsoft has given us access to a specific kind of authoring tool that allows us to make these courses. And as of now, which won't stay permanent, but as of now, it is a restricted access to the authoring tool. Um, and so that is why we have this kind of. So just a couple of follow-ups. Um, one would be that um, uh, um, do you envision at some point in the future that there would be like more of those types of maps available. Um, there will be a, 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 a bigger thing with it with with users in general. And then the second part would um, is when you said earlier about about looking for the experiences that are nearby. What the experiences you're talking about are, are things for, uh, that other users have have looked for. So if if somebody here today um, that wasn't involved in the convention just open soundscape, they would see these maps and they would be able to, to follow those maps. Okay. Yeah. So all the maps that are made or all the courses that are made um, exist on the app. And so the app looks at all the courses that are made. So, you know, the, the QR codes are for the restricted courses that were there, the nearby experiences and the general map, absolutely open to everybody. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to confuse that. Uh, the, we're, we're more of trying to be an event curriculum programming basis of this. And so, uh, again, it's a two-pronged initiative. Well, we would like to thank ACB for having us here um, and for putting on an amazing event. I had a lot of fun, especially with the Name That Tune. So I'd like to also thank ACB um, for having us. And I would really look forward to having an ACB um, orienteering course at National and at NFB National because I feel like this would be 
kind of helpful around national, you know, you going around seeing what is in those areas. Um, so we were, we're really looking forward to doing more events with you guys and can't wait to do some more. And again, thank you all very, very much. Thank you, Ian. There's that. Everything but a fist bump. All right. <laughs> Oops. All right. Thank you, Russ, Calum, and Megan. That was a great presentation. Those of us who participated earlier, again, we really enjoyed this. And this is this is some really cool technology and you know, could be the future of our navigation or a good part of it. Pretty neat. Yeah. It's a little more than just the white cane and the dog these days. It's kind of cool. You know, it really is opening up our world. So, all right. We would, uh, we would like to thank you for attending this afternoon's general session. Um, again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Democracy Live, Spectrum Communications, or Charter, um, Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Why am I having such a brain loss here? <laughs> That's, that's getting late. Um, I'm totally losing one. Oh, and the New York State Commission for the Blind. But they're not here, so. But I'm sure they're listening on Zoom, so thank you. I'm going to turn over the microphone to Karen, who will have more to say. I just want to remind people uh, we're having our uh, the cocktail hour for our banquet begins at 6.30 tonight. We're going to be serving dinner at 7.00. Around 7.30, we'll be doing some presentations, including our scholarship award. At 8 o'clock, we'll have Dan Spoon, the president of ACB National, joining us uh, for a presentation. And the rest of the night, we'll just be mingling and enjoying each other's company, which is why we do this in the first place. So Karen will cover that as well. All right, here's Karen. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you all and to all the sponsors. Thank you for being here this year. It was certainly just so exciting having everybody here in person and having the exhibit hall open, and it was just awesome. Um, I want to thank you all. It was a great um, convention of today. General session was awesome, very informative, educational. Um, some new relationships have been made, new friendships, old friendships, and we will all talk again at the banquet. So thank you all so much for joining us.